0: Booga, booga, (laughs) munga. No, not
1: yet. Dio mio. Oh, my God. All right. All right. I'm going to go right into this. Yesterday, Silvio Berlusconi died in Milano. And while I lived in Milano, he was campaigning for prime minister, and he owned La Forza soccer team, and all these television networks, etc. A big guy. And I was working at night in my friend Juan's dark room, an old-fashioned printing dark room. And let me just say, this is before the days of Photoshop. I was in there one night, so was Juan, and all of a sudden... um, I wasn't ready for this, Tommaso. You threw me for a loop. But <laughs> all of a sudden, this, uh, I'm going to use the word goon. This goon walks into the dark room with just the two of us at night. And he's like, buonasera And he had a photograph of Silvio Berlusconi that he wanted retouched, like airbrushed with more hair. And Juan was so intimidated by this man. He's like, va bene, okay, facciamo, we'll do it. But he didn't have an airbrush. But I think in the back of his mind, he knew that I hand-painted photos, black and white and our color. I was really good at it. So that was my job. I had to paint Silvio Berlusconi's somewhat square-shaped head with a lot more hair. And then that was it. It was all over the buses. It was all over billboards. My hair, my fake hair on
0: Berlusconi's head. And since we were discussing this last night, and you went and rummaged through some stuff and <laughs> found the palette that, I that you actually used to touch a Berlusconi's I have hair. I the
1: original Marabu, it's called. <laughs> I'm going to take a photo of it and put it on Instagram Absolutely. or Facebook. Yeah. Berlusconi's had darkest, second darkest black color there. That was it. Isn't that funny? Anyway. <laughs> okay. W- welcome to Kimberly's yes. Italy. <laughs> My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and let's do our Italian class again. E io sono qui con Tommaso il famoso. Buongiorno, Tommaso.
0: Buongiorno, belladonna.
1: Thanks for that lovely intro to our podcast number 101.
0: Boonga, boonga, boonga.
1: <laughs> but first, I'd like to share a few facts that some listeners have pointed out regarding how to get in touch with me. Some podcast platforms do not show our website, Earl. Apple Podcasts does, yet others do not. And for the other platforms that do not show it, that's all you need to know, com, and just like the name of this podcast, Kimberly's Italy is our Instagram and Facebook account name
0: as well. And if you're not following us, please do.
1: And... We also have a contact form on the website, which people can fill out to send me an email. And that we did by choice to prevent endless spam. And I have to say it's working
0: perfectly. Well, I have to tell you, the spam count last month was 900 spams. That I did not receive. Yes. Fantastic. I cruised through them. I could be a crypto billionaire by now. (laughs) A number of things. (laughs) Just for the heck of it. In case everyone's offering me a billion dollars. Nine
1: hundred. Okay, so that's why we have the contact form. But so far as I know, right now, there is no artificial intelligence robot out there listening to this podcast. So I will say my email address out loud right now on this episode. Kim at Kimberly's Italy dot com. Va bene? Va bene. I wish we had thought of something a little more catchy like Chow at Kimberly's dot com. But then again, some people spell Chow, C-H-O-W. So that would have backfired.
0: We can, we can make an <laughs> alias to go right there. Just a lot of Kim's going on. Right.
1: All right. Regardless, for those of you who would like to engage me to help plan your trip, my email address is the best way to get in touch. And before you know it, we have like a hundred emails going between us planning the perfect vacanza italiana. Allora.
0: 100? Wait a minute. You'll scare a few people off. It's not 100.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, there's a lot. There's a lot, but I keep them very organized, so no one ever panics. I I have them in a
0: vault. Don't worry. Okay.
1: Allora, this podcast episode number 101 is on La Bella, and La Bella just means the beautiful, is one of the nicknames for the city of Firenze, or Florence as its pronounced in English, but in this podcast, we're sticking to all the names in Italian. So, Firenze it is. And Ferenze is so beloved by people from every corner of the globe, therefore, it's basically crowded year-round. There's, you know, the few random weeks in late November or January when it's not overly crowded, but in general, you won't really ever have the city to yourself, unless you get really, really lucky. It's sort
0: of like New York.
1: Yes, good point. And our good friend Jane is in Firenze today. And she just sent me a text saying that it is indeed very, very crowded. However, she wasn't overly bothered by it because, quote unquote, she texted, it's men's fashion week, so there's eye candy everywhere.
0: (laughs) I wonder if one or two of them are up on their little terrazzo shaving their bodies.
1: Oh, that's from our last episode. Not everyone knows what you're talking about. Therefore, what we want to highlight today in this episode is that there are indeed ways to work around this dilemma of too many tourists, too many Florentine lovers, all at the same historic buildings or museums or piazzas, bridges, etc. at the same time. So you just have to find the flip side to the Uffizi or Palazzo Vecchio or the Baptistry just by going to smaller and lesser known venues or, I love this, renting a bike. You don't normally think about riding a bike in Firenze, but you can and you maybe should. And they rent electric bikes too. Yes, they do. But you see more of the city than you knew even existed. And then, of course, my personal favorite being a night owl or an early bird and walk the city basically on your own. And you may only run into a few other like-minded tourists, but I promise you it's worth doing. Let's start with the lesser known museums, which will always have less crowds. And that is always a win-win situation. This first one is relatively new and a complete gem. It's on the other side of the river in Ultrano And it's the Massimo Listri Foundation. It's a private villa slash museum slash collection of the curiosities, artwork, furniture, books, all housed in a 16th century palazzo that Massimo Listri purchased in order to share and store everything he's collected over his career. Massimo is an unbelievably talented photographer who has photographed just about every architecturally significant building around the world, libraries, cities, including world heritage sites, and he has all these books, and one of his most recent ones, Tommaso?
0: <laughs> Did you look it up? No. Oh, but you told me about it.
1: I think it could be a potential Christmas present.
0: Yes, it could be. A book on the
1: most beautiful libraries around the world. Right. Oh, and there's there's so Library well- porn. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, God. I never heard of that. That's
0: I just made it up. Oh,
1: I bet not. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably hashtag library porn everywhere. <laughs> anyway, so Massimo Listri's Foundation is a nonprofit institution dedicated to sharing and promoting the visual arts to all, and therefore Massimo is like a present day Florentine with the same mission as Lorenzo de Medici, who was a patron of arts and culture. Half a millennium ago. Molto interessante. See,
0: Si, certo. Mm
1: -hmm. However, the one thing I have to add is that it seems rather difficult to find out how and when to visit this amazing Palazzo Villa Museum. I've been reading about it for months or a year or more, I think. And all these articles by visitors. However, I could not find in any of my searches all day yesterday how... Any information as to how to visit, so all I can say is be on the lookout for any mention of a public viewing and jump at the chance if you're there at the right time. We're definitely going to do a little recce in October, so we'll let you know. Yes. (laughs) It's uh, on the other side in Otrano. All right. Another museum that may not be as popular because of the name alone, Ospedale della Innocenti. And that simply means the Hospital of the Innocents, in a sense, like innocent people. Yes. Not incense. Okay. <laughs> Which was the Italian's description at the time of an orphanage. This museum is super popular with people who love history, art, and architecture because our buddy Filippo Brunelleschi designed it in 1419. However... Ospedale delle Innocenti is not on the average tourist radar. And you guys, our listeners, are not the average tourist. Giusto? No, they're not. Absolutely. (laughs) Giusto, that Italian word spelled G-I-U-S-T-O, means correct, right? I love that word. Giusto. Certo. Giusto. Bravo. All right. In this museum, you can learn the very intriguing history of the orphanage and how they had, it was like this hidden wheel-type shape entrance so that the parents who could not afford to raise their children or these babies would drop them off. And for the art lovers, there's a Botticelli painting, which he did in his early days of a Madonna and Child. There's also a painting of the Adoration of the Magi by Domenico Ghirlandaio, which he completed in 1488. And you know, both of these artists were so famous and successful during their lifetime and post-death that they have a lot of work in the Uffizi. Yet here they are in this little orphanage.
0: Could you see like Brunelleschi and Botticelli having a coffee? like certo. Discussing. <laughs> yes, right? So what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's why I love these places and going to the little. Well, we'll get into that in a minute, but yes, I can imagine it. And then, of course, there's the architecture of the building itself. Like just about everyone else in the world who has been to Italy, Firenze may be your first city you go to. It was definitely one of mine, and I'll never, ever forget seeing those simple but stunning arches and columns of the Ospedale della Innocenti. And why I went there my first trip when I was however old, 20? It's because of all my art history classes. It was the pinnacle of what to study for arches, how to draw them, how they supported things. And uh, so I just remember being in awe. And as a matter of fact, Tommaso, on your first trip to Firenze, I took you there. Correct, I think he's
0: getting out his art history book. No, I'm not getting out my art history book. Yes, you did take me there. But I'm talking, again, my Sir Bannister Fletcher's Sir History of Architecture, which has, I don't know, you wouldn't have learned how to draw the arches in Jansen, but you would <laughs> in this book right here, okay? It <laughs> okay, weighs about fine. 48 pounds. I, it does. It is a relic.
1: And funny enough, this little Ospedale della Innocenti, it's about four blocks from the Duomo. Literally take you two minutes.
0: Right, but it's, it's tucked back in there. It's a
1: gem hiding in plain sight. So we will go again in October. And one more somewhat obscure place to visit is called the Andrea del Sarto Museum. He was also a Renaissance painter. And regarding his name, back to my art history classes, I remember when I first learned about Italian artists' last names, like Leonardo da Vinci. Vinci was not his surname. It's the village where he came from, Vinci. Same goes for Cesare de Sesto, another Renaissance painter from the mountain village called Sesto. And...
0: Tommaso de Jamestown.
1: (laughs) That flows so well. (laughs) Oh, Dio Mio. Uh, I wanted to say that the first apartment I shared with Juan in Milano was on Via Cesare da Sesto. Isn't that awesome? I love that. And okay, that was a tangent, but I'm sharing this with you because you would think that Andrea Del Sarto came from a village called Sarto. See? Si? See. Si. Okay, but guess what? I think he just came from Firenze. That's where he was born. So where did the Sarto come in? Well, his father, Andrea's father, was a tailor, and that's the word for tailor, Sarto. Uh-huh. So he that's how they distinguish him. Oh, he's the tailor's son, as opposed to Andrea di Firenze. There would be, like, too many of them. Uh-huh. So that was a fun little fact, I think, for you guys. hmm And some people, they may have learned that Da Vinci it's not Leonardo's real name for the first time in their life with this episode number 101. How about that? Mm. Lesson learned every day. Okay. (laughs) So this little museum is a teeny bit outside of the historic center, kind of behind the train tracks. But this is the type of situation where you could rent the bike or the electric bike or take a taxi because you will always have this museum to yourself. And there is Andrea del Sarto's version his own version of la ultima cena the last supper in this little museum he was a devoted follower of his you know collego uh, leonardo da vinci and died just four years after him so the influence is there and in my opinion it is worth the small effort to get here that ultima cena i think is really good but funny enough they have weird hours okay so this is a fyi they're open from 8 15 in the morning to 1 1 p.m all right
0: wow. because if i didn't that's share pretty that precise
1: exactly that's going to be right before their lunch hour so they want to take the 10 minutes to get to their favorite osteria and have some lunch
0: and then discuss dinner as we discussed yes.
1: <laughs> but if i didn't tell this the hours to you someone out there listening to us might have gone at like 3.30 one afternoon and been uh, not very happy with Kimberly's Italy. Okay. Oh, hold on. I forgot to tell you this. Another little news flash that just came in two minutes before I came up here to record that is that our friend Jane, same woman in Firenze, just sent me photos from the Pitti Palace, the museum inside the Pitti Palace. And she is with Italian friends and they took her to Florence for the day and they said, we're taking you to the Pitti Palace because it's always, always much less crowded than the others. So,
0: Because it's across the river.
1: Yes, and not as well known, perhaps, as you feet see in Palazzo Vecchio. But I think it's such perfect time to have, what's that expression, feet on the ground?
0: Feet on the ground.
1: We have feet on the ground. Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground today. Well, we have high heels on the ground today (laughs) in Firenze. (laughs) Grazie, Jane. Okay, now I want to share my absolute favorite thing to do in Firenze. And I tend to do this in every single city all over Italy. And that is to have a late dinner and then just start walking. Finish your lovely dinner, go outside, start walking. And I do this primarily, mostly because I feel totally safe in Italian cities. And as I've mentioned a million times on this podcast, the Italians light their historic buildings from the exterior, which is the complete opposite of what we do in America. So everything is so much more dramatic at night. In Firenze, walking down the Arno River at night is not your average view. It's absolutely stunning, and it reminds you every second or every step you take how old everything is in that beautiful city.
0: And as I was building the database, which I'm still doing, the ongoing multi-year, (laughs) multi-decade project, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like, yes, I'm still waiting for it. But I, carry on. I found a um a link that I don't know if you sent it to me or if someone did, but it talked about boat tours on the Arno at night.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: That would be really nice to go up and down the Arno at night with a nice red wine. Mm-hmm. Not in the heat of summer, maybe, but... No, well, uh, that's
1: why a lot of people walk along the river at night. Yeah. To escape the heat, finally it cools down. Right. Molto interessante. I need to look that up.
0: I'll, I'll pass that along. Thank
1: you. <laughs> if you walk on the other side of the river, the Ultrano side, you'll share the paths with the locals who are getting their own fresh air and exercise because they were working all day keeping us tourists happy. And as we just mentioned, it's so much cooler to walk there at night. And if you're there really, really, really late at night, walk over the bridges, including Ponte Vecchio, it's picture perfect. It's just like one of those movie scenes because it's void of tourists, void of people. It's just, what's the
0: word we overuse all the time? Magical. Yeah, completely magical. And hopefully this summer, the, the we won't have another knucklehead who drove the Ferrari down the Ponte Vecchio last year. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah. and- he was probably his cousin is the person that drove.
0: Hopefully, uh, he's been drawn and quartered somewhere. A moped
1: and, down the Spanish Steps. Yeah, remember that. Yeah. All kinds of crazies out there. Anyway, if you feel like walking off, working off your bisteca fiorentina, that's
0: what I'm having this time. I know it. Yes, it. I, know. I know It's fifty dollars a kilogram. A uh, fifty euros a kilogram.
1: Yeah, we went through this. It's uh, molto molto.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna have ah, one with a really nice Brunello.
1: And then you'll be in a food coma while I will be walking off my pasta by what I was going to suggest. After your Bisteca Fiorentina, you walk up to Piazzale Michelangelo, which nowadays is really popular. And they have this like fun party vibe at sunset hour. Like people just break into like spontaneous dancing and music. It looks really fun.
0: I always do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But wrong. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but really late at night it's empty those party goers are having dinner or whatnot or in bed already so super late at night piazzale michelangelo is deserted it's so stunning and even higher above it which i always recommend to all my clients that go to the city is to go up to san miniato al monte which is also like a ministerial. Uh, sorry, monastery and a little church, and it's higher, and the view from there, da morire.
0: It's quite romantic, isn't it? Very.
1: Oh, right. Yes. I told. That's right. Tomás and I, the first time we were there at night, that's where all the young people were making out. Just like exactly... Just like I described in an episode from one of the episodes on Milano, the top of the Duomo in Milan, in my day, there was no elevator, so you had to walk, walk, walk up these thousands of steps, and the young people would go there to make out because their parents would never walk up those steps to find out. (laughs) So you're correct. Piazzale Michelangelo at night. Una bella posta. Okay, carrying on with my late night walking back in the historic center of the city is like my favorite, it's my personal nirvana. Walking right up to the facade of the Duomo is absolutely magnificent. Like literally put your toes right to the base of the Duomo. Look straight up. Take in that big, beautiful behemoth when it's lit at night. It's just amazing. Same goes for the baptistry right next door and then you should walk to the large piazza of santa croce where the basilica of santa croce is it's i think the best word is visually arresting because of its graphic marble design so when that's lit at night and that piazza is so large the whole experience is so different than during the day And then from Piazza Santa Croce, it's just a three-minute walk to Via Ghibellina. That is spelled G-H-I-B-E-L-L-I-N-A. I want you guys to remember that because at number 70, Via Ghibellina, is Michelangelo's home, Casa Buonarroti. Speaking of last names, a lot of people might not know his surname is Buonarroti. But they never used it because there's just too many letters in those <laughs> names. <laughs> and there is nothing more I love than walking down that street and imagining, like you just mentioned earlier, about Brunelleschi and mm-hmm. Botticelli, imagining Michelangelo, Mick, and his buddies walking along chatting about
0: the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. Next job.
1: Just amazing. So, and also the visual because Via Ghibellina is so narrow. You know, in its day, it fit a horse or whatnot. But imagining them in their capes and those velvet poofy hats, the Renaissance garb. Oh, that's my favorite thing in all of Firenze, to be honest.
0: Well, I love when you walk down those streets and all you can hear is a couple of footsteps.
1: Yes, yes.
0: I mean, that's the beauty of it. The the echo off the yes. walls as it comes around and because
1: every surface is stone yes none of it is pavement concrete macadam yes it's a beautiful sound okay and finally you can finish your night tour with piazza della signoria with palazzo vecchio's tower lit up at night and that is also like you know movie scene little fog comes in rolls out it's amazing okay finally for the complete opposite concept If you're an early riser, get up and repeat all these places I just mentioned, especially the Duomo. And if you rented a bike the night before, or if your hotel happens to have bikes, a lot of them do these days, borrow one from the hotel, go out at sunset, and the early morning is the best time to see so much of the city without any car traffic on a bike.
0: I mean, I think this is really where you can still go during high season, Ex- this, but you've got to you've got to have a strategy for experiencing point. it on your own terms without being shoulder to shoulder with everybody.
1: Right. So if you get up early, then you can have a long, lingering lunch somewhere, have some wine, maybe take a little a little, nap, a little at your at your hotel, and then start again when the crowds thin out. But if you're on a bike. In that very early morning hours, you can ride across the bridges and all over the Trano. Then you can ride back, ride through Piazza Santa Croce with no one there. Well, I mean, minimal, minimal. The people setting up their stalls for the fruit market or something like that. It's just amazing. So think of all that—the concept of no crowds, just early birds like yourself seeing all these tourist sites void of tourists themselves. And I promise you, you won't regret getting up early on your vacation. On the contrary, I think it might be the very favorite day of your entire trip.
0: And you can enjoy the nap in the afternoon.
1: Hey, Basta, Amici. In summary, I don't think it's hardship to wake up early or stay up late. Just, just do it all. See it all. On your own terms like Tommaso just said and I i just want to end this episode with the visual I have of Tommaso on his first trip to Rome even though this episode is about Firenze we did the same thing late dinner we left there at about 11.30 11pm 11.30 and we started walking and we got back to our idyllic little palazzo about 1.30 in the morning and you had a smile and an expression of pure joy on your face the entire
0: time. I mean, I, I think that's one of the reasons why we connected because I'm a night walker also. <laughs> and, no, I'm serious, love, but like even during regattas in Europe, when you get there and all of a sudden you get off the plane, you go sailing and you're up, you, you don't sleep that well. I would walk around, whether it's Saint Tropez or even Puerto Curro, we walked around, and mm-hmm. in, in Monaco, walk around all of those places. You know, are out of your time zone and it's hard to get to sleep.
1: And it's a get it's it's unlike what you're used to. So it's just sponge
0: sucking it all in. And I did enjoy in college walking around Boston at night.
1: So we're night walkers. So we're night walkers. We're night stalkers. It's good.
0: It's good. good.
1: (laughs) And that's it, my friends. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much everyone for listening and all the messages and emails and the travel plane business. A basta.
0: Ciao, ciao. Boonga, boonga. Boonga, 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 (laughs) boonga.
1: Ciao, Silvio.